Or the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. All right, let's continue our school of prayer. Therefore, we'll take our seats to study for a while, and then we'll rise up again to pray. Let's take our declaration of understanding quickly. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. God is entering my heart. He's giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area, and he's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Let's take our seats. All right, people of God, let's continue looking at what is important to the heart of God. Remember when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all other things will be added unto you. He wasn't joking. I pray that we will learn to take the words of the Lord Jesus Christ seriously. We tend to take the areas that we find uh, convenient. Yeah, that's what we do. The other ones we don't find convenient, we find a way to explain it away. We say if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. We say he really didn't mean it, he meant it. Trust me, he meant it. Save your eyes, will cause you to stumble. Gouge out the eyes. He meant it. Like I said, however, if you realize that you will have to gouge out your eyes, you'll be amazed at how you cannot, I think you can do without stumbling. All right? <laughs> so when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, let's bear it in mind, it, it was literal. What was he saying? Let what is important to God be your own prayer point. You have to understand that some things are important to the Lord. Some things are important to the Lord. You know, God actually is looking for friends. Do you hear what I said? What did I say? Yeah, yeah. He has emotions. He's a person. There are people he doesn't like. When they knock, say, who is it? He says, uh, let me not use the name of somebody now. Before they say, I'm abusing somebody. Okay, they'll say, he's, uh, ah, give me a name that God may not like. Okay, let's say, he, he'll say he's uh, Javez. He say, ah, God changed his name, trust me. He changed his name. He say, oh, that son of sorrow, he has come again. And every time, grumble, grumble. And he entered the door. Lord, I came to see you. Javez, what is it? The other day I saw Zodima. He had bought a car. He said, eh, so? Now, I've just been wondering why you, why you don't seem to remember me. So the fact that Uzodima bought a car is proof that I don't remember you. <clears throat> you remember that he and I used to go to the same fellowship. So I said, now people now be thinking that I have a problem. You have a problem. <laughs> they don't have to think it. You've got a problem. And that's the truth. When time you people come like that, God says, oh, he has come again. They want to take a walk. God said, I'll be walking behind you. I'll protect you. Don't worry. But I, I'm walking with you. Lie, lie. Yeah. It may sound funny, but that's a matter of fact. Even we, because we have the character of God in us, we don't like grumbling. There are people that anytime they call you his problems. Eh? It takes you a while to take their calls. <laughs> when you have less to do. But there are those that just call, you know, to give you good news, to encourage you. Even if you are sleeping, you answer the call. Just to quickly hear that thing and go back to sleep. I hope you're getting my point. 
That's a matter of fact. That's a part of God that is in us. We don't like grumbling. We don't like murmuring. Many years ago, when I, the early days of Kingdom World, when I had more time, and strangers could call me and I would take the call. This is, before I talk to somebody on the phone, it's hard. So those days, I remember one guy, he would call me. First, no, one brother asked me, say, please, I met one guy somewhere. He has this trouble, this trouble. Actually, the guy was paralyzed from the neck downwards in an accident. So it's kind of, I look at the way you all reacted. So you have what? Compassion, pity. So he said he would like to talk to you. So I said, no problem. So he gave him my number, and he called one day, and I picked the call. And he told me his whole life story. And I encouraged him, and I prayed for him. I really, from the bottom of my heart, I encouraged him, and I prayed for him. He was talk, call, calling from somewhere far away. He called another day, I picked the call. He repeated his life story. He called the third time. I was tired of hearing his life story. How he's lying down here. It looks like everything's going wrong for him. He continued. Look, you told me this thing before, and I prayed for you. Next time he called and repeated it, I never picked his call again. I never did. Because every time he would call, he just gives me the whole sub story again. And I'm like, what are you expecting from me? Do, you, do I look like I have that time? You called, I pray for you. If you just call and say, Pastor, good morning, sir. I feel like getting your blessing today. Do you know I will, I will bless you? Say, they say my mother is a witch. I don't know what is going on in my life now. Ha. You are just not listening to me. If you are listening to me, I know it will have affected you. And it's not bragging. One brother came once. He had serious health challenges. Serious. He came to Enugu. And he came to just buy tapes and CDs and all of that. He spoke to me for a few minutes. He didn't even try to take my time. And do you know, I knew the word affected him. He would tell me that, look, this is the only thing that kept me going when I would be so seriously sick. So he came to Enugu just to bless me and he came actually to gather materials and go away. Where I'm going is that, don't think God likes grumbling. He doesn't. We took that one from him. God, now, wow. I told you about the demons, the demons car. <laughs> I forgot to tell you about which is a house. I'm the one that's still a tenant. No problem now. <laughs> they are some good to evict you, trust me. He's not going to send you money for rent again. He's giving you rent now. All you hear is uh, he's looking at you like, hey. So because which he built a house, and you're still a tenant, that's why he won't have peace in heaven. <laughs> God is looking for friends. That's what I'm to make. One of the things is de- developing us into are people that can chat with him. You get my point? Yes, they can discuss. You know, there's something he said. If you were around on Tuesday, on Friday last week, he said, the father judges no man. We quoted it. He has given what? All judgment to the son. God wants to develop people to an extent where they will be like him. So we now say, look at what's going on in this country. So what do we do? And God says, wait, before you talk, whatever you say is final. That even I will not change it. Yes. He'll give you all the information you, he knows is necessary to make a wise decision. And he'll tell you, what should we do? And he's not joking. He's giving you responsibility. He said, Lord, they are too wicked. Wipe them out. Say, good. Confirmed. Angels, on the move. I don't want anybody left alive. Do you want anybody you want to save? That's what he does. He's looking for friends. 
One brother said something to me once. When he was preaching, sorry, where I was. And I never forgot that thing. I've quoted it a number of times. He said once he was reading the Bible. And it dawned on him the kind of person that Samuel was. Now we know Samuel that none of his words fell to the ground. We know Samuel that is a very, very honored person in the Lord's presence. Few people are like him. For the generations those days, they could only mention people like Daniel and Moses to rank with Samuel. These are not light people. Samuel was not a light person. God made sure that everything Samuel said, he fulfilled. He, God, fulfilled. So that brother now said something. That, but you forget one thing about Samuel. The kind of heart he had. What pained God pained him. When God said, I feel bad. He said, why are you feeling bad? I made Saul king, but he's not obeying my instructions. Samuel could not sleep. I don't know whether you get my point. Samuel could not sleep because God was feeling bad. I don't know whether you get what I'm saying here. That is, he felt God's feeling. He felt his passion. He felt the Lord's pain. He felt the Lord's disappointment. So when God said, I feel bad, someone started feeling bad. What does that tell you? If God is happy, he's happy. God had to tell him at a time. When Samuel was there, God said, Samuel, relax. Uh-uh. After all, it's not you they rejected. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's how mingled he was with the mind of God. God had to tell him, Samuel, easy. It's not you they rejected. Now, she be is me. But that's how bad Samuel was feeling. It's not, I don't think it's like he felt they rejected him, per se. But God, like he said, you are feeling too bad for something that is not you. Do you get my logic? That's something we have to learn. There was a time God was angry with people. Do you know why? He said, look, I pronounce judgment. I express my feeling. Then instead of people to be repenting, they were going for parties. I don't know if you are following it. He said, What? You know, when Hurricane Katrina hit that time, for if you remember, that was so many, it should be more than 10 years. Of course, George Bush was still um, president of the United States. After him, there was Barack Obama. <laughs> so it's been quite a while. Hurricane Katrina. You know, there was something that I saw one day, they did a documentary on it. I said, this is what God was talking about. That when I was calling for a holy convocation, what, what would I find? Gaiety. People feeling very happy. They, people knew that Katrina would hit. And their levies might break. Where were they that night? They were in clubs. Jazz clubs. They were going on like nothing happened. That's how God drowned everybody. Let me tell you one good thing we have in Nigeria. Yeah, when we holiday, we, if you see, the way they go to church, eh? Yeah. Let me tell you the truth, eh? In Nigeria, if we just go to church, I'm telling you what I'm, I know what I'm telling you. Every time we, re, 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 we reacted appropriately, God has always suspended judgment. When Ebola was you know, ravaging parts of West Africa, Sierra Leone, Liberia, some countries like that, and then one man now flew into Nigeria. Do you know the way, the way we went to church? Ah, Father, 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 Father. Thou art merciful. The Lord is our shepherd. Where will we run to? We don't have anything. We have no help. 
By the time we've prayed, do you know the Ebola spirit ran away? The Ebola spirit said, no, I can't stay here. The way what God did with, for us during the Ebola, I couldn't believe what I heard CNN say. Because they were so sure they would be, be picking dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> the thing lasted a few days. Killed very few people. As soon as he hit, God diverted that man to a private specialist hospital and made sure one particular woman, all right, who happened to be a great granddaughter of Samuel Ajari Crowther, the man that translated the Bible, all right, into Yoruba language, the first Anglican, African Anglican bishop. That was a descendant. Something runs in something in families. I hope they get the point. It's a blessing. The woman gave her life for it. The woman had a high index of suspicion. The man wanted to be discharged. He, she had him detained by force. Was a diplomat. Had him detained by force. Contained it. Made sure that God made sure that Luth, the biggest specialist hospital in Lagos, was on strike. So the man couldn't go there. Do you know? <laughs> After a few days, we contained the thing so well. Let me not tell the story again. A few days later, Ebola was gone. Ah. <laughs> CNN said, what happened? He said, I watched the report. He said, you see, that because of Nigeria's um, health infrastructure <laughs> and then the health care. When they finished painting Nigeria, eh? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I said, wait, wait, excuse me. What are you talking about? Is this the same country I've heard you talk about before? Only that you have called all kinds of names. But when they saw the way Ebola was contained, ah, they had to find a natural explanation. Of course, if you see the way things worked out, you will have been impressed. Ah, you will have been impressed. Ah, CNN saw this. And said, so, you know, Nigeria's health infrastructure, they have an existing healthcare system. I said, mm-hmm. Now, wow. You know what happened? We knew how to what? Pray. When COVID hit, the same thing. We knew how to pray. I keep on saying, answers happened because we refused to reject it. We had anger in our hearts against the then head of state. We were protesting against him. That was why there was no answers in northern Nigeria. Not one, did you hear answers anywhere up north? It was just south. We were destroying our own things. The bank, that Nikki Lake Road, they refused to open till today. Ah, they refused to open. Say, answers end bank. Forget that. We destroyed our own things. You should know when madness is raging. It was a spirit. But I keep on reminding us of that because I don't want us to do it again. We opened our hands, opened our hearts, and told the horsemen riding, come, ride in. And they did. I'm saying if we had done what we did with COVID, if we had done what we did with um, Ebola, and if we would do the same thing now with banditry, headsmen, and all of that, and stop the pointing of fingers, you'd be amazed at what God will do. Those ones we had nobody to point at. We can't point to China for COVID. We couldn't point to anybody for Ebola. We couldn't point to... So we went to God and said, Ah, Lord, have mercy now. Have mercy. And he had mercy. And I'm saying to the church of God again, I pray the church will hear this segment of this, my teaching. If you would just treat 
banditry, economic problems, the way you treated these other plagues that came towards this nation, you will see the same results. But we don't do that. What do we do? We point fingers. We run. We escape. That's what we do. We try our best. We want to blame somebody else. And of course, we always look for a head of state. And we are abusing money till night. And God says, no one says, where is God, my maker? Please, I'm trying to emphasize something in all of these things. Let's know the heart of God. If God is sad about something, let's be sad about it. There are things that God is not laughing over. Don't laugh about them. Train yourself to feel the way God feels. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, train yourself. Just train. It's a training. It's something you do deliberately. You learn that. What does God think about this? I must think like that. If I see iniquity in the land, I should sigh and groan. It should make me feel bad. I should never justify anything. I'm not, I'm not saying this is what really happened, but just think about this. When kidnapping began in Nigeria, do you know we didn't react? Do you know why we didn't? It was white men. It was in Portacourt and Delta, the rivers and Delta. They kidnapped expatriates, and I heard somebody say something once. A colleague of mine from that region were in Ibadan for a conference. So in the hall, we're just talking about issues of Nigeria. He said, I don't see anything wrong with what those boys are doing. He was talking about kidnapping, blowing of pipelines and all of that. And I looked at him. I still remember that day. He said, yes. I don't see anything wrong with what those boys are doing. God said, no problem. You will soon find out why it is wrong. So the white men left. But the boys had tasted blood. So they just justified it. Ah, all these are big men. They, they, they collude. He I picking the big men. And the big, big men left. There's all these oil workers. Do they also have money? That's it. Next thing you knew, kidnapping became a normal thing. And every criminal nationwide realized that, ah, this makes money faster than robbing people. Bigger money. If you come into somebody's house, you close the door, make noise, shoot. At the end of the day, when you calculate the cost of bullets, you calculate the cost of hiring people, if you didn't have any information, after beating everybody, you look. Then sometimes police waiting for you at the gate of the street. You risk your life for 50K. Those who are working hard, they make that money. They said, no, that's not the way forward. They lent it nationwide. Nationwide. These headsmen that you say now kidnap people, I know what they used to do. When I was in Lagos after NYC, they used to beg. They would go into the city and beg. Then some of them started armed robbery. They found out how much is it. Then now they stopped. See what they now do. Where am I going? When it began... We welcome. We didn't sigh and groan. We didn't feel the, you know, we, we didn't have compassion on those who were afflicted. So God said, no problem. This spirit, they love you here. The spirit said, I like, I noticed it too. And Satan petitioned. I keep on telling people, don't say the. Satan petitioned God. And he didn't have a choice because he's a just God than to approve the movement of that spirit into the air. Of the nation. Just to teach us that next time you see what is bad, say it is bad. Just say it is bad. Even if it's being done by your own person. Say it is bad. Telling your brother, your sister, your relative, 
your close one, something is bad. Doesn't mean you've abandoned the person. If you're a close one to me, you do what is wrong and they put you in prison. I will visit you in prison, but I'll tell you flat. You're a thief. Being a thief is not a good thing. You should go and work. Then I'll come to the jail and give you food. I will hire a lawyer to defend you. But I'll tell you, this is not a good thing. Say, by the way, you're going to be in prison. But let's see whether the judge can, instead of 10 years, we can just make it 5 years. You cool your heel here and learn something that is good. I'll never come out and say, my son has been persecuted. My brother has been persecuted. This is discrimination. This is tribalism. This is nepotism. No. The guy is a thief. See, I keep on teaching that these are Christians who learn what is good. Hmm? Where I used to live those days. One day we had a neighborhood meeting. Most people, they were older than me because they were the landlords. They owned the place. You know, they're senior guys. I don't think when I went for that meeting, I ever sat in the meeting with anybody younger than me. You know, you know it's, a, it's a place where retired people had their retirement homes, nice homes and all of that. So one day we sat down there and we're, we were discussing things going on in Nigeria. It was when um, subsidy fraud and all of that was all over the place. Government, you know, had a crackdown at that time. And we're talking, ah, this man stole money. Then one man stood up and said, hey, I still remember his voice. He said, well, let's tell ourselves the truth. These are our people, oh. These are our people, oh. These are our people, oh. I looked at him like, excuse me, sir. He said, these are our people. These are, I said, Wait, we're talking about people defrauding the government of billions of naira. We're talking about people stealing the commonwealth. We're talking about people stealing money that belongs to everybody. And you're telling me these are our people? Because that's why I cannot judge iniquity. And that's my teaching for today. Are you ready for judgment? You want to know the truth? That's why God has found it very hard to judge anything. Yeah, he's found it very, very hard. Are you ready for cleansing? Are you ready for judgment? It's one thing. I'm going to talk about that today. We don't have that kind of heart. Every evil spirit... It's allowed into the society. You know, I said something last time and the time before that. I'm not talking to everybody. What am I talking to? Christians, thank you. I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to the church. You can, you, look, woe to him, the Bible says, that calls good evil and calls evil good. God holds you responsible for anything you tolerate. Please, I'm teaching. Come on, talking about prayer. Many of us don't, we don't have the mind of God when we are praying. When we go to him, Lord, Lord answers, what? Give me food. Say, approved. Give me water. Approved. Give me a wife. God says, approved. Give me children. Approved. Lord, more food. You know, we are now men. When I came before, you know, it was only me. I have now come back. For food for five. You know, you are the one that gave me a wife now. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And the children. Was there any other thing? Give the children wives. That's it. Anytime oh, you come, because he has come again. And Lord, I need the new tire. Hi. Lord, this one does not know who he's dealing with. You see, I've gone to preach in places before. People now pray, they want to see me. They ask me for medical advice. I say, this guy, he can never be blessed. They say, see, let's not just. I traveled from Enugu. Your pastor paid flight ticket. So I can come and preach in your church. You sought audience with the visiting teacher of the word. And you said, anytime I lie down, my back hair will be paining me. <laughs> just know those who didn't hear anything. Instead of you to say, sir, 
I have one minute. I don't know the grace you came from any good with. Pour it upon me before I go. You see, you're asking for medical advice. I'll tell you, go and buy orthopedic bed. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Went to one church once. They even came to ask me, hey, please, want to buy new uniform. Will you contribute something? Some church members. I was looking at the pastor and said, <laughs> your members don't have sense. Apparently, you two, you don't have. Yeah. I, I, no, he's standing there. I said, now, wow. People not get sense. You come to God. You, you, you are not discussing. Look, if you ask God, what do you want to do on the earth? I want to lend you my authority. I want to give you my voice. God will not say, my people have been in captivity for 400 years. From the time I made the promise to Abraham, I want them to return. Good. How do we see such prayers? You know, I say, pray like this. Ask that the light of God will shine upon their hearts. Thank you, Lord. Then I go. It's the same God I'm praying to. I kneel and say, Father, let your light shine upon the hearts of your people in captivity. You come back again and say, Lord, what else will we pray for? Pray that I will put a desire for the promised land in their hearts. Then you go. I thought, Lord, what's happening? He said, they are stubborn. But what, ask me to break the stubbornness. And then you continue. That's how you walk with God. So anytime you knock, who is it? He said, it is me. Ah, ah, your voice is sound nice. Go and read it. Daniel, when the angel came, said, Daniel, so this is you. Oh, man of high esteem. Oh, he was so respected. He was so respected. He was so respected in heaven. Why? Because when the man wants to pray, go and read all the prayers he prayed. The most important one, that Daniel chapter 9. He began to confess the sins of the people as if they were his own personal sin. He entreated the Lord for mercy on behalf of the whole nation. Because he wanted God to fulfill a promise. He saw what was important to the Lord. It became his own prayer point and what was important to him. See, let me tell you pastors that keep on preaching to Christians. Give so you can receive. That nonsense must stop. God will come out your pulpit. Because you are breeding selfish people for him. You are breeding for him people he can't love. People he just tolerates because of relationship. People he doesn't like. He doesn't like hearing their voices. He doesn't like, you know, their presence doesn't excite him. Because everything they do is for their own gain. That's what you are breeding. And you know it is wrong. If somebody treated you like that, will you like it? There's a joke I tell you about that. It really happened in my house. When I told my children, this one and this one, they were small. They were very small at that time. I told my baby girl, their mother gave them a drink. Give me from your drink. She looked at me. Look at the drink. Gauge the size. Gauge the size of my mouth. <laughs> and she thought to herself, this is risky. She did her drink this way. Then her brother saw her and just walked over. And just handed me the drink. His own portion. And she said, ah. <laughs> like, yes. She said, daddy will finish your drink. Oh. And he said, so what? It's my daddy. Let him finish it. Those are his words. He says, so what? She, no, she turned to him. He turned to how? He says, so what? He's my daddy. Let him finish it if he wants. Ha! I said, 
Yeah, no. I said, a bowl of ice cream for only you. The sister took her drink and handed it to me. I said, <laughs> I said, too late. This is a Pentecostal offering. <laughs> if we human beings understand that, how much more God? You will not twist it and say, ha, it doesn't matter. What he said is whosoever, whosoever. Let's stop twisting scripture like we did. It wasn't spoken by a living person to living people. Whosoever was not whosoever like the Sadducees. Whosoever was not whosoever like the Zealots. Whosoever was whosoever like his disciples who were listening to him. Who his words were abiding in them. Please stop that nonsense if you are preaching. Stop breeding selfish people for the Lord. Stop, stop breeding people who only think of their own gain for him. I went to preach a friend of mine. When I preached, he said, hey, Frankie wants to scatter my church. His wife said, but it's the truth. It has to be told. They must hear it. Because I said things like, look, if you don't want to give to God, carry your money and go to your house. I must God bless you because you gave to him. The one he did before you gave him. Have you finished paying? I just said things like that. He, was laugh- he wasn't angry with me. He was laughing. That you brought the hard word. That's what he was saying. Let's tell tr- the truth. What I'm trying to say, we need to you know, have the heart of God. So I won't get on our knees. It's deliberate. You say to him, Lord, teach me what. Teach me your heart. Let's be like that. So when something is bad, it pains you. If something looks good to everybody, God says it is bad. It hurts you. Because you know how he feels when he sees it. So you deliberately have that feeling. For example, I realized that God doesn't like people mocking holy things. I just said to myself, if you mock holy things, I won't laugh. For example, of course, many of the things you hear me say about how preachers behave. If you see the way I defend preachers when I'm with unbelievers, you will be surprised. The way I defend them. Because I believe in preserving the unity of the body. If you are a non-believer, you want to hear preachers, and when I will turn it on your head, you'll be like, ah, what did I now say now? Because these preachers, they are just preaching because they want to collect money. You know, I know it's true. But I'll turn to you. Once you are a non-believer, say, what's your problem? Have you given me life to Christ? The most important thing they say is, should have you done it? That's how I'm going to attack you. I say, let them... Preach and for money, you will still go to heaven. You will still go to hell. <laughs> when we go inside the house, ah, we handle ourselves. When we are in front, you think we are in agreement. You think we all connived to do these things. What I'm saying is that you deliberately learn. It's deliberate. You learn it. You learn prayer points that matter. I keep on saying you can't get up at midnight. You want to pray. Say, my father, my father. As I begin to pray, every power, God against my destiny, die by fire. You should know that you have a spiritual problem. I will say it directly. You come to church on Sunday, your pastor says, hmm, today I want to talk about the, the, the location of your own black cord. <laughs> Who caught it? Some of you. Your mother went and delivered you. Where did not the witch? And the doctors and Ogbanje spirit, they took your placenta 
They took it behind and they spoke to your placenta. Since that time, your, heart, your life has not been balanced. Let me just say, for those who don't know, the nurse and the doctor do not have authority over your placenta. The only authority they have is to cut it. Once they've cut it, their authority ended. So only your father and your mother that have authority to speak over your life. Hope you get my point. So let everybody come and deceive. You know this when you watch your movies. You tell that somebody entered the bus. One stranger now touched the baby's head. The baby now has fever at night and died. It's a lie. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. What did I say? It's a lie. That is kanayo, kanayo. <laughs> Patients are so cool. That's it. They're just acting. So you now see, you now see, people, if they don't carry their baby next time, they want to enter public transit, they now shook the baby inside their bag, wrap the baking like moi moi opa, you know? Ah, hey, madam, that's your baby. It's my baby. It's my baby. You can't touch my baby. You can't touch my baby. You'll be fighting people over your baby. One of the help you can. You won't agree. Because you watch movies that lie to you. Have you heard this thing before? That when you want to pray, evil spirits will try to block your prayer from reaching God. I hope you don't believe that nonsense. So there's gap between you and God. God is not close to you. You can't pray a prayer of faith. In fact, before you pray, God has heard. We want to start say today, every spirit that wants to say this prayer will not reach heaven. We bind them. And this prayer say, okay, that's the way you want it. They will not come. Your prayer will not reach heaven. Hey! You know what has happened? You are now busy. One hour making sure your prayer will get to where it's going. Meanwhile, you've not prayed the prayer. Some people say, no. I sense them here. They are here. I'm beginning to sense them. I'm sense them. Let us scatter them. Pray. Kayaba. Scatter. They have not prayed. Though. They are clearing the road to God. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our father, not the demons. Our father who art in heaven, not the demons that are on the way. Hallowed be thy name. Not scattered, some assault and scatter. Please, I keep, keep on saying this because a lot of praying, praying that Christians do, it's a waste of time. They're not getting anything. What are we supposed to do? Know what matters to God. And let's make those things our prayer points. Know what matters to God and they should be your prayer points. Listen, in, being an intercessor is one of the most important things a Christian must be. It's one of the most important things a Christian must be. I'll say this again. I said it last year. Any title you bear is a call to prayer. What did I say? Any title For example, if they call you husband, it means pray for your wife. That's the primary assignment. If they call you wife, that's the title, right? It means what? Pray for your husband. Because you are a wife in, in relation to something. And that's having a husband. They call you what? A father. It means there is a child that you are father over. Your primary assignment is pray for that child. If they call you a student, 
likely you are a part of an institution. Your primary job there is not buku. It's what? Prayer. Pray. Pray for him. If they call you a citizen, it means you are part of a nation. Your primary assignment for that nation is what? You pray. You intercede for that nation. You intercede for that nation. If they call you a president, it means there are subjects under you. There is a structure you are over. You can be over a whole nation or an association. Over the Senate, whatever it is, once they use the title president for you, once you are blessed with that title president, your primary assignment is what? Pray. So if our current head of state is a Christian, when he wakes up in the morning, he shouldn't rush to go anywhere. He should be on his knees. And most of his prayers right now should be for the country. Most of his prayers should be for the country. One man took it, for those days America was different, not now. Those days, the president could walk into the, you know, from behind his house, could take a walk. If you do that these days, somebody's going to shoot you before. <laughs> That's in America. So one man went to the woods late, early one morning, went to go and do something. And he st- so he came back home, make a long story short, and told his wife, America will not break. The wife said, how do you know? He said, because early this morning, I stumbled into where the president was praying. The man had gone into the woods all by himself and he was on his knees and was shedding tears before God and begging God for the United States of America. And the man, he heard the voice, he peeped. Lo and behold, it was Abraham Lincoln. So he tiptoed and went back and got home and told his wife, this country is not breaking. How do you know? I just heard the president pray. He said, I heard the president pray. I heard the, that, that's the man just told his wife with confidence that this war will soon come to an end. At the end of the war, we will remain one country. Why? I heard the president pray. I hope you are following my point. If they call you a brother, brother, that means you are brother to somebody, either to brother or to sister or to brethren. Uh-huh. You know what it means? Your primary function is what? Pray for them. I think it's the most important job on the earth to be an intercessor. When they tell you an old person is retired, please don't sit at home. You have children and grandchildren and you are reading newspaper. Weakening your faith every day. Once you don't have to get up in the morning and run around like the rest of the world, God has given you more time to pray. Hannah lived long because she was praying. I hope you're getting my point. Simeon was kept alive to pray. Now, what I want to say, I just like to drop things for people here and there. <laughs> Sadhus Avaraj has some strange revelations. You know, they call strange. According to his friend, the Australian guy, what was the Australian guy's name? Neville Johnson. Neville Johnson said he, he had some, not non-biblical revelation, but some extra-biblical, the things you don't find in the Bible, but they're not against the Bible. So, you can get the book, The Maharishi of Kailash. Alright? The Maharishi of Mount Kailash. He said the man, at the time he wrote the book, the man was over 400 years old. He lives on one of these high mountains, in a cold um, cave somewhere. And according to him, he, he heard the story, it was documented, I think, by Sadhu Sundar Singh. Over a hundred years ago. 
And I sat down on that thing used to visit the man. At that time, the man was over 300 years old. And that was the man's job. That's where I'm going. That God has kept the man alive. And that the man is going to be alive till Jesus returns. And that is not the only one. That there are many. But nobody sees them. For certain reasons, I believe that. Alright? It's not a dogma. I'm not dogmatic about it. Just by the way, in case you want to know. The man says one of them is John in the Bible. And that till now, John has not died. 2,000 something years after. Nobody ever spoke about the death of John. They just said that he's the only disciple, the apostle that died naturally. But nobody ever discussed when he died, where he died, how he died, or when, where he was buried. Sadhu says the man is still alive. But what I want to talk about is not who's alive, who's dead. It's why they are alive. So you know their primary assignment? Prayer. Now that's what they do. Morning, afternoon, and night. What they do is pray. What they do is go around praying. That's, that how Maharishi they were talking about. That God actually would take him to distant places. Now, he didn't say what I'm about to say, okay? That the man will go there, feel the pain of the people, then begin to intercede. What he just said is that God will take him there and have him intercede for people. Maybe tra- come down to maybe Kingdom World Ministries, look around. And then God will say, okay, next prayer point. Then he takes the matter back to his cave and starts praying. After he has prayed and prayed, then they give him another job. That's the only job he does. He's a living human being, normal person like you and me, except that he doesn't wear my kind of suit, doesn't have my phone, you know. But he has a Bible. Oh, I forgot. He reads. Study the scriptures every day. Get the book and read it. Strange things happen in this life. I told you something the other day. Let me say it again. If God sends an angel to visit you, come and tell us about it. I hope you're getting my point. I'm not saying if you dreamt stupid dreams. Though. I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, if it, I, I, there's a reason I'm saying it, because you see, I have a burden in my heart. All right, which is why since la- late last year I began to read a lot of testimonies, and I still preached about it this Sunday when I went to my um, fellowship. That, that fellowship, I tell you guys, about once in a while, to go and preach. I still talk about it. The fact that we have to contemplate spiritual things, we have to. If we don't, the, the living power of God will not manifest in our generation. We have to contemplate spiritual things. We are too earthly minded. Everything is DNA and molecules. I hope you know there's nothing like molecule in real life. Now, this is an aside, please. I promise you I won't spend more than one minute on this. Some years ago, no, about, about a year or two ago, I read about the strength theory in physics. And I laughed. You know why I laughed? I had propounded that theory in my heart for over 10 years. I did not know it existed in physics. Yeah. I, I had, in my own heart, I had contemplated and said, no, this must be what is going on. That there's nothing like atom molecules and everything. It's just energy under control. Why are my children laughing? They're laughing. What I mean, where did I get that from? Anyway, it's a long story. But the point I'm trying to make about it is that, look, these physical things we are so caught up with is actually almost like an illusion. The real substance is spiritual. The real substance is spiritual. I thought about it long ago, only to find out that people actually are, they are right, they are doing research and studies on what they call the strength theory. I said, this is not what I've been saying for over 10 years. I never, I didn't know it was in physics. I just thought about it. I said, no. At the fundamental 
You know, because what happened that something triggered it when I was in university. After I began to, of course, when I was in secondary school, I learned about protons, electrons, and neutrons. And then when I, one day I read The Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking, it was my first introduction into sub-sub-atomic, you know, particles. I heard about, about quarks. I said, eh, I found out that protons are made up of things, okay? I said, eh, oh. I said, when we get to the center of it, we see everything just made up of the spirit of God, which is energy. So it's just energy moving and controlling things that you call matter. Matter in itself doesn't exist. That's why God, if we, if we withdraw his spirit, that would say they expire. Just pulls back his spirit and there will be no Jupiter again. <laughs> to wipe everything away with the swing of a hand is not hard for him. It's like putting off his switch. So people want to just confine us to earthly things. Don't agree. You can't confine us to earthly things. They are heavenly things. There are heavenly beings. In fact, you are the core of your soul. You are a being from heaven. That's what we're talking about. Nobody should confine us to this earth, please. All of this to emphasize something. A true believer should understand the heart of God, what matters to God, and that should be your prayer point. It's our school of prayer. We are learning how to pray. Enough of focusing on, you know, on material things. Ask God, what is important to you? And I said to us, what is important to God now? I'm giving you this word in the year 2024. It's applicable before now and will be applicable at other times, but it's a specific word for this season. Come house of Israel. This house of Jacob, house of Israel. Isaiah chapter 2. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's it. Let us get it right. That is what is important to God now. Verse 5. If you are there, read it. Let's read it together. If you, let's use the New American Standard just to get it together. Are you there? Just one verse, all right? One, two, let's go. Come. Wait, wait. Some people are not there yet. Are you all there? Isaiah chapter 2. We are reading verse 5. If you are there, say amen. amen. All right, one, two, let's go. Come, house of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's it. Now, this is the prophetic word. Come, house of, I hope you know the name Jacob applies, it's also Jesus Christ that he's talking about. I'll be getting my point. Yeah. Come, house of Jesus, walk in the light of the Lord. Come, body of Christ, walk in the light of the Lord. That is the cry of the Spirit now. Come, people of God, walk in the light of the Lord. Please let me say it again. God is saying, if you don't do that, I will judge the world around you and you with it. You know, when I was trying to put some scriptures down this evening, I was looking for a particular one. <laughs> then I got, some, got somewhere. I said, wow, this is serious. And I think that's um, Romans chapter 2. I want to read Romans chapter 2. Let's read it together. Please, I'm giving us God's heart, God's prayer point. What he wants us to pray about. What is important to him. Please bear it in mind. And I need to explain some things to stir up passion in our hearts so we can pray effectively. Romans chapter 2. Now please, why am I reading this? You'll see it in a moment. But let me explain it before we read. The church must be separated from the world in reality. 
It is a satanic doctrine. I say that with careful thought. It is a satanic doctrine that says how you live doesn't matter. Righteousness is in your spirit. That doctrine is satanic, is deceptive. How you live matters. The distinction between the world and the church is in how they live. The foundation for how they live is their faith. I hope you're getting my point. But, see, if you have the same fears, the same decisions as unbelievers around you, you should worry. Your faith is in doubt. I hope you're getting my point. See, it is a lie for someone to say that righteousness is in the heart and is not outside. See, when, you know, people, when you don't hear somebody properly, you now misquote them. People don't listen to Paul well. They say I'm misbehaving. So James had to write. And then again, because sometimes people in trying to correct some things, they over, you know, stress their own side of the truth because they want to correct. Are you getting my point? Like, people are, someone's about to fall over into a ditch. You know, you pull the person with it so much force. If you are not careful, you fall into the ditch on this other side. So one of the marks of maturity is to learn how to balance things. When Martin Luther started, salvation was all by works. When he started, he was a priest in the, in the institutionalized church that time. And if you committed this sin, you paid. Yes. Everything was penance. You come to the priest and you come and kneel down and say, I've done this. He has to give you what to do. Some of those monks used to practice what they call flagellation. What is flagellation? Flagella, whip. Beating themselves. I saw one movie some, a few years, I think about two years ago. I won't mention it so you can go and look for it. And I saw a woman practicing it inside there. People use it to subdue their bodies. That's some of you say that if you fast, you fast, your body will go under. It's, it's not religion. It's not true. All right? It's not true. You discipline the flesh. These guys would literally take a cane and whip themselves. Till now, some sects of Islam, they do it in Iraq. They beat themselves during certain festivals. They flog themselves silly. That thing came to the church. Then if you had a beloved who died, and you're not sure he has gone to heaven, maybe he's stuck in purgatory. You show a sheet. Yeah, you saw a seed for the liberation of his soul. Yeah, they were doing it. The money was used to build massive things that was admired till today. I hope I get my point. Yes, so when Martin Luther came, when he was observing that, he said all of these things are wrong now. He said salvation is by faith. What he meant is that you don't pay to be saved. You don't beat yourself for the forgiveness of your sins. You come to God in sincerity. You confess your sins. You accept forgiveness and you go away. He was not implying that you don't repent. What he was correcting is that it is not by beating. Let me tell you the kind of thing Martin Luther himself would do. He's coming to to church here. He will walk from artisan there on his knees. Uh, You you guys, this is what you're just walking. That's what they did to make themselves worthy. 
to come into God's presence. You come with bloodied knees. You don't get my point. From that place, they will trek on their knees because they want to ascend the mountain of God so that God will accept them. That was all the Holy Spirit told Martin Luther. Say, all of you are not normal. Come into his presence with a humble heart. That's what I want. All this one you are beating yourself. It's not, it doesn't work. So when he came emphasizing that it's by faith, that's what he was saying. He wasn't saying that eh, it's all about, because that's what I now see my brethren start saying. Paul never said, once you believe, you believe. What James had to explain, because it's not today, it's been then the days of Paul. What James had to explain to the people hmm, is that, yes, faith is of the heart. James did not argue against that point. He said, Abraham believed. It was counted to him for what? Righteous. He said, justification, sorry, I wanted to say. He said, justification, yes, is by faith. He didn't argue against it. He said, however, how do we know Abraham believed? When God commanded, he obeyed. Rahab was justified by faith. James said, I agree. But how do we know she believed? When the people of God came, she helped them. That those were the signs of their faith. So he said, faith that doesn't have outward signs does not exist. That's what he said. People not, it's not as if, if I have faith, let me look for works to make my faith real. What is the work you want to do now? No, that's not what he said. I've never woken up in the morning. Maybe I woke up in the morning, I tell my wife, I'm alive. I say, are you sure? Bring, give me your hand. I breathe into her hand so she can feel it. Say, I'm alive. Can't this baby, I'm alive. Do I do that? But if it's somebody that looks like he's dead, what's the first thing you do? Check whether he's breathing. Check whether he's breathing. So he said, just the same way that the body without the breath, the word pneuma, you see in your Bible there, is the same word for wind, for breath, for spirit. Most interpreters use the word spirit, but some, I think in New Living Translation, says breath. The day I saw it there, I said, wow, I've been saying this for over 10 years. I didn't know one Bible used the word breath, because it's the same word. And because of my background of you know, natural training, I understood. He said, how do we know the body is dead? It doesn't have breath. Not it doesn't have spirit. It doesn't have breath. He said, the same way, faith that does not have works is a dead faith. Not as if, put works to your faith so that we'll make sure it's alive. No. He said, if it is alive, it will have works. And that because faith is a spiritual substance, not tangible to the human senses, even the bearer of faith will not know he has faith, except he checks his own works. So many people have fake faith, dead faith. They go around professing a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof to change their lives when it comes to walking away from sin. So if you see, I can tell you for sure, most members of churches that preach that grace doctrine are not born again. You're telling me, most, now, please, that's not supposed to be a joke. That is why you have churches that are renowned for sexual immorality. Why? Most members are not saved. That's not a joke, please. Mark what I said. My wife was telling me about somebody recently. And the way this woman behaves, yeah, she was wondering. She now said, this is the church she goes to. I said, no wonder. I said, oh, that church? No wonder. Now, that explains. Why didn't you say so? 
see, let me tell you the truth. If you have a church where they constantly preach that don't worry, your works don't matter, faith is in the heart, faith is in the heart, and your righteousness of faith is in the heart, it's in the heart, your spirit is saved, your spirit is saved, and you watch it, the pastor is going around the girls one by one, the boys are waiting for the pastor to finish, then they join, they never return money if you lend to them. See, please, they are not in the flesh, they are not born again. Majority of the people in those assemblies are going to hell painful they don't know. And I can prove to you from scriptures. Why would they come to Jesus and say, We prophesied in your name? Except that they thought they were okay. What gave them the confidence? And what did he say? You backslid? Is that what he said? What did he say? I never knew you. He said, But I cast out a demon. I wanted that guy cast out. He came to your church. You mentioned the name of Jesus. I used the opportunity to set a, a soul free. You, I did not know. Hey, by the way, I don't know your pastor too. What I've told you is not a joke. If you, no, I will say it one more time. If you go to a church where the pastor preaches what I'm telling you now, just know that most members are not saved. I put a conservative estimate at 75% are not Christians. Possibly 90. It is a result of that doctrine, not the wickedness of the pastor's heart. It's a doctrine. Now what that does is that it gives people who are not saved confidence to come to church. Yes. And they, they, will, they are not convicted of sin. They think it's a peace of God. Listen, the most peaceful place on this earth is a graveyard. You've never seen a dead man fighting the next dead man for his space in the grave. So many people are experiencing the peace of the graveyard. Spiritually, they are dead. See, I've seen, look, I'm not saying that Christians don't commit sins. Did I say that? No, sir. I say so. I said, but when you constantly preach to people and you don't call for literal repentance, you don't say simple, simple things like as simple as stop lying, stop committing adultery, stop cheating people, Quench your anger problem. You don't say those simple things. Most members of your church will not be Christians. Painful part, they will think they are going to help. Romans chapter 2. Now please, I want to apply this because it's a principle there. It's a principle. Here Paul was trying to explain why the law was not superior or the Jews were not superior to the Gentiles. But there's a pattern of argument I'm trying to use. So please don't think that I'm taking it out of context. I know the context. Sometimes people are trying to I tell you, read it in context. They now over contextual. No, is our English good enough? They, they now over context. Because contextualize has an, a, a proper meaning. But what I want to say is a bit stranger than that. They now over context the truth. Sometimes within a context you can have an application. And if you read the New Testament, you find it all over. They will take something, you wonder, is that what the, the, what the prophet was saying? Sometimes they just borrow the words. They're not even going to say the same the prophet is saying. They just want the words. Okay? There are principles in every context. So we can take the principle and apply it to another context. I hope you're getting my point. For example, when we say things like, 
what agreement has light with darkness? When I apply it to, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That principle is not about marriage. It was applied to marriage. I don't know what I get my point. That principle was before marriage. It applies to many things apart from marriage. But it's the bedrock of marriage itself. So you can go into marriage, borrow it, and apply it in business. You can go into marriage, borrow it, and apply it in car repair. I don't know what I'm in a funny way. Okay? So let's get it clear. So where I'm going is that I know the context here is about Judaism not being superior to the life of the Gentiles. But what is the spirit? If it does not produce works in their moral lives. So let's read it. So I want the church to understand that bragging that you are a church is a problem if the life is not church-like. I hope you're getting my point. That we have a problem in this nation when even our brethren say it is better to deal with a Muslim if you are doing business than your church member. We have a problem. We have a problem when somebody is selling something on credit and he says, "Mm, at least let me sell to the, the allergy. I will get my money back. We have a problem. My friend was a pastor in Abba. When he started, he was telling me stories of what the church has done. That he went to go buy something in the market in, where they sell rug. And he went to buy something either for his house or for the church. So he was waiting for the, the business owner to finish dealing with some two young men, pastors, or middle-aged men. You could see the way they were dressed. They had a program coming up. Maybe on Sunday. This is like Thursday or Friday. So they wanted to order rug and all of that. So they ordered the rug, all the measurements and everything. They now told the man that they will pay him on Monday, but they need to have it installed by Sunday, like the next day. The man said, sorry, you can't have it except you pay me. So they brought a check and gave him a, they were willing to give him a post check. They just gave him like Tuesday or Wednesday. He could draw his check and it would be fine. The man refused. They used all kinds of methods to try and explain to him. He, he was just, you know, strong-headed about it. He was watching, and they left. So he now picked up, these are his brethren. He's a pastor. Those are pastors. Now to the man, Haba, why couldn't you just give those guys a little bit of, you know, uh, you know benefit of doubt, give them some slack, some allowance? So the guy opened the drawer and brought out a bundle of checks, all of them issued by pastors. Until now, they are still bouncing like rubber balls. All over the city of Abba. He was ashamed for his brethren. There was a time, Alaba Market, you know Alaba Market? In Lagos. Their union ordered a ban on credit sales to pastors and ministries. Because majority of the debts they had were owed to them by churches and pastors. Now listen, I understand that we are the major customers. Who else is buying, just will be buying speaker anyhow? Who, who won't buy speaker? How many people? Now, we they buy, no. All right? So, some people can argue that that is the reason. But that's not just the reason. The reason that we are not paying. And it's not a good reputation. One of the men I know in this city, he said once, somebody he knows, went to the market in Enugu here to buy something. Before the days of transfer and all of that. 
For one reason or the other, either he forgot his checkbook, you know, this kind of thing. They had ordered everything, they had loaded the vehicle, time to now pay the man. Only to discover that his check was not with him. Ah. The only option was to bring out all the things they had loaded. And they were going to transfer it from Enugu to somewhere else. So looked at the, the businessman. So I don't know what to say. I'm sorry, the money I thought I held, I didn't come with it. I'm so sorry. Um, so what do we do? Option of two. Say, well, but I promise, as soon as I get back home, I'll be back in two days with your money. I mean, you know me, I've been here again and again. So the man said, okay, you can go. Ah. He too was surprised. The man said, no problem, you can go. Don't worry, I trust you, bring my money in a few days. A few days later, that man came back with his money. And he was curious. Ah, the way he just agreed. Now, wow, what happened? He said, he didn't call the name God. So I was waiting for you to say God. I will have offloaded that vehicle. Enugu here. The man said, I was just waiting for you to invoke God's name. If you did, I will have offloaded that vehicle. I don't care the amount of work my, my boys and I will have to do. We will offload it. We will let you go. He said, but I watched carefully. You just made a solemn promise as a man. So that's why I said you should go. Because if you had said God, I will have known you a thief. Well, not a thief, but I mean, you're dishonest. <laughs> that you won't pay me. So please, let's leave this nonsense doctrine of, you know, uh, righteousness. Listen, your righteousness is in your heart. And I see you committing crime. I will help God to send you to hellfire. I hope you're getting my point. I won't do it literally, but you get my point. Okay, I won't do it, but stop it. <laughs> Remember your friend. He goes to one of those churches. He said he's born again. He will lock himself inside rooms with women. I want somebody, what are you doing inside? He said you are in the flesh. That's why you are seeing things like that. And he's talking to his supposed fiancé. Is it fiancé or fiancé? Which one of them says, huh? Anyway, the woman he wants to marry is the one accusing him that, what are you doing inside the room locked up with a woman? And he came, in, came out in boxers. And told the girl that her problem is that she's in the flesh. That if she had the Holy Ghost, she'll be able to see in the spirit. Ask him. It's his friend. Now, that he committed is not my problem. He's mindful that we are both flesh. I hope I get my point. No, that's why there's forgiveness of sin. Where is there forgiveness of sin if there's no sin? That sin will happen. Ah, God said, thank you, don't worry, I know. There are times you hear something. You say, one man of God is something. I say, leave him now. He's not a human being. Now, I'm not saying he's right. I look at my book. Don't make you look. I say, hey, relax. Now, ah. A man was running. He fell. Didn't he get up? He got up. Eh, leave him now. Mm. So I'm not saying nobody ever. But this one said, he was telling somebody. Instead of saying, I'm sorry. God have mercy on me. If I have done it, I won't do it again. He said, you are in the flesh. If you are in the spirit, you will see in the spirit. You will have known that my spirit is born again. It can't be defiled. Whatever is born of God cannot sin. How can I sin? I cannot. No, I can't. Because I'm, so if you see my body is sinning, it's just the flesh. The spirit is born of God. God said there's no problem. I'm going to put pain on that flesh. And the spirit should not complain to me. And that's, that's what God does. And that's, I mean that literally. That's what God does. If you continue talking like that, God says there's no problem. 
I will take this flesh one day. I'll give it over to Satan. Satan will chew it morning, afternoon, and evening. And if I hear pain from your mouth, what I want to hear every what I want to hear from you every day is that my body is feeling pain, my spirit is not feeling any pain. My body's lying down on the bed, it can't get up, my spirit has gone out to preach. That's what I want to hear from you. See, when I was correcting, you were telling me that your body is your body, your body, no problem now. I will handle the body, the spirit can be fine. And if you still do stubborn, stubborn, because I will judge you with the world. So, get this point. So, now you understand the context and my application. Let's now read. Therefore, he says, you, are, you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment. For in that in which you judge another, you condemn yourself. Now, notice that. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. You who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightful falls upon those who do, who do what? Practice. Please focus on the word practice. Notice it. He said, but do you suppose, oh man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself that you will escape the judgment of God? Now, what is he trying to say? You are hiding behind your Judaism and the sacrifices you offer at Passover, but you continue to do the same things as the Gentiles. That's what he's saying. He said there's no guarantee. He said, lie, lie, you will not escape. escape. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the fact that God has not punished you is supposed to cause you to repent fast? He said, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now he was talking to godly, supposedly godly people whose works did not match their, you know, their proclamation of faith. He said, God who will render to each person according to his deeds. For those who, by perseverance in doing good, good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. He said, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul who does evil. Of the Jew first, and also of the Greek. This is my application. Of the Christians and also the unbelievers. I told you I know the context. I'm giving you the application. The spirit behind it is what I'm giving you. If you claim to be a Christian and a one of faith in Christ Jesus, he says, what I expect is that you will use perseverance in doing good to seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. Not continuing in selfish ambition, disobeying the truth, disobeying righteousness. No. He said, there will be tribulation. Now, listen to this. I know many people who, <laughs> my brother, the guy from Asia, he won't like what I'm about to say. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul who does evil, even if it is a Christian soul. I've just spoken by the Spirit. Be careful. It's a doctrine of demons that will arise against what I've just said. I say to you boldly, in this nation we are in, God says, it is the sin of the church I'm having to deal with, not that of the world. He said, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Listen, I've said to you again and again, what makes you 
favored as a Christian is that he that God loves, he teaches who, which way he will choose. If you say you fear God, the advantage is that he tells you what is wrong or what is right. If you don't know what is wrong, you will be judged for it. The advantage is that when you do what is wrong and you are called to repentance and you accept and you repent, there is forgiveness. That is the advantage. But God never, never, ever, whether you are ignorant or you do it deliberately, he never blesses disobedience. Never. If I walk in disobedience because I do not know, he will suspend the judgment, but he will never bring forth the blessing. Never. Every blessing you expect from God, ask him. You know, I said the other day that I was into Kenneth Hagin. I played it for my wife. I said, listen, baby, listen to this. Many people will be surprised that Kenneth Hagin said it. Kennedy Hagin. Father of faith. Can I say that? At least one of the fathers of the word of faith. He said, for the Christian, healing is conditional. If you want to hear it, I will play it for you. It's tape number eight in the series. Yeah. So to the Christian, healing is conditional. He was training pastors to know when they are ministering healing to Christians, to talk to them and by the Spirit discern what is wrong in their lives. Otherwise, many people will not get healed. I told my wife, we should blow this thing out loud now because many people think it's just about declare, declare, declare. Can you say it doesn't work for Christians? He said he pastored for years. He used to do outreaches, major programs. Only the strangers that come he used to get healed. Only two times that he could count him over 12 years of pastoring did a member of his church get dramatic healing when he was ministering. He said, but everybody has got healed. Just took them time. Because they had to make adjustments. They had to be corrected. I'm quoting Karen Hagen because if I say it now, they say, you don't know faith. That man knew faith. If you want, I will play it for you. My wife heard me say, I played it for my wife again and again. So looking like this way. Uh-huh. He said, I said he said so. And he said it, he confessed. He said, I doesn't say much when he goes out for healing cruises. He said, because he doesn't have much time. So he decided to teach to pastors who have time in their churches. So there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good. That's verse 10. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Now, I want you to understand something. For time's sake, I will jump. Verse 17. But if you bear the name Jew, now, my application, remember? If you bear the name Christian and rely upon your faith and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the word and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. Remember, I'm adding some words now to make it Christian, okay? It's a, a corrector to the foolish. A teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth, you therefore who teach another. Now listen, this is a question. You who teach another, do you teach yourself? Are you seeing that? When you say the problem with this country, ask yourself, are you part of that problem? (laughs) I hope you're getting my point. When you say anything. Eh, the problem in this country is, 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 you know, the problem with the people and from this part of the country, yourself, go to your village. Don't you divide the village into? There's one man, I won't mention his name, even though many of you can guess. He's a big politician in this city. He said, if you go to his village, eh? he had the power. Hmm? He called the village, you know, if you can have a village where north of the village is fighting the south of the village. Don't you have things like that? 
People look at you, don't know what I'm talking about. The man had the power. God gave him power. They said when you go to his village, the north is well developed. You see good roads, everything. The south, he abandoned them. So next time he came for election, they, they made sure he lost. Because the other people massively voted for his opponent, even though he's their, unquote, brother. Those of you who know, you know. So there are people who are shouting Nigeria, you know, this region, that region. <laughs> if I start judging nepotism and divisions, judgment will start in your village. The way you guys, now one village, not one local, you, all these autonomous communities that, <laughs> that we are creating every day because everybody wants to be Igwe. Which verse, which verse are we in? No, I'm not 17, no. 21, yes. He said, you who preach that one should not steal. Church, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who are bought idols, do you rob temples or more? Will they rob temple, though? Pastors rob temple. Ushers rob temple. <laughs> if you go to the redemption camp, they color code the offering bags. Yeah, you know what they call color coding? Two minutes before offerings, when they announce the color, the offering for today shall be taking the red bag <laughs> because people have their own bags. I want to tell you something here that will surprise you. When you see people begin to drop dead in church, just know the power of God has come. Yeah. No, Holy Spirit has not been moving the way we say you should move. Holy Spirit say, thank you. I don't just move like that. I keep people. If I come to your church and I find Ananias, he's going down. This Peter that said, Tabitha, arise, is the one that told Safira, die. Die by fire. The same mouth. See, if you want Peter's anointing, just tell the Sapphiras. <laughs> Tabitha, you guys can die, you will rise, no problem. Sapphiras, you can live, but you will die, no problem. Yeah, that's it. That's the Peter anointing. If you want the Peter anointing in your church, just tell the Sapphiras. Girls, when your husband wants to start, don't go near. Because the anointing that raises Tabitha is the one that kills Sapphira. I told you I'm a poet, didn't I? It rhymes, it rhymes, it rhymes. <laughs> See, that's what we will deal with, I told you. That's what we need to deal with. That's what we need to deal with. He said, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? You who boast in the name of Jesus Christ, through your living licentiously, do you dishonor that name? For the name of God, he says in verse 24, is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. Now he says, for indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. Faith is of value if you obey the words of Jesus Christ. But if you are a transgressor of the words of the Lord Jesus, of the instructions he gave to the apostles and the prophets, what is he saying? Your faith has become unbelief. You get that I'm adapting the scriptures. 
So if, if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, if the man that say, you say doesn't have faith, will not his lack of faith be regarded as better than your own faith? Which is the reason why your brethren would rather do business with unbelievers than with their church people. Why am I saying this? Verse 28, for it's not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor a circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. He's not a Christian, the one who pronounces faith in Christ Jesus and goes to a church. But he's a Christian, one who is inwardly. And the circumcision is that which is in the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. What was he saying? Now, please, I told you I read this to adapt, to bring out some issues. That whatever you profess is useless unless it produces works of righteousness. That's what I'm saying. And it is a doctrine of demons that says it doesn't matter. One man passes the church. One day somebody saw him and started laughing. A woman who came from outside the country to that establishment. Why was she laughing? Because somebody dragged her to the church one day and saw the pastor. I started laughing. Why are you laughing? That guy has been chasing me since I came to this place. He said, married my little wife in that place. And this woman came from somewhere else, possibly also a married woman. So she's not laughing. What is funny? Your pastor is the one that is funny. <laughs> I know what he used to say. The fact that we are pastors, God knows, does not mean we are holy. Yeah, he said that. That was a statement quoted from his mouth. Listen to me. You want to hear the truth? That guy is not born again. Woe to those who promote great givers, even though they doubt their salvation, and make them pastors over the congregation of the people of God. Why would we be promoting people because they give offerings? One man brags in his church. He said, that church I'm going to preach there. Only little people around him knew. They are not sure this guy is born again. He said, that church I will preach. He said, watch me. He knew what to do. Pastor, God bless you, sir. The Lord laid upon my heart. It brings out one envelope. Bah. That man will look. Legace. Lagas. Brain tire Kudi owo ego. Hallelujah. So I see the anointing of God upon you. Yes, sir. Yes, daddy. It comes again. Ah, that was a powerful message, sir. It brings out another envelope. Bah. Like my friend said, from third row, from uh, back row, he's in the third row. At the end of the year, he's in front row. Do you have a word for the people of God? <laughs> and for what I heard, he fulfilled his, uh, is it promise or dare? Yeah, he said, uh, what is it? No, listen, you want to know the problem of this, our nation? What we should pray about? I've told you. They say headsmen. This is a spirit. That spirit can push them back into the desert. That spirit can make them, you no, know, die of thirst. When I say it is enough, they will have weapons. They won't have bullets. One day you come out in the morning. They literally will have turned their guns to instruments of agriculture. Why? If God says enough of wrath, 
See, my main message, of course, I'm going on in it, but please don't, don't miss what I'm saying. God says, you know I said at the beginning, if you see little judgment, what happens? There's a worse one ahead. I don't say that to scare people. I say that to let people know the work that's supposed to be done. So when you want to pray, listen, you have to pray. Let me say something about God there. He said through Paul, he said, judge yourselves. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So you will not be judged. He said, when you are judged, it's because God is disciplining you. Now listen to me. He always goes back to the beginning. So you will be corrected. And what is the reason? So you will not be condemned with the world. If God brings disasters, listen to me. I know this message I'm preaching is not popular. But it's upon me by the Spirit of God, so I have to say it. I've said it many times, God brings disaster. Nobody should tell you he doesn't. What the devil knows is temptation. What the devil knows is what? Temptation. Temptation. He knows how to tempt people. When you talk about disaster... You will see, God will say, I'm about to invent evil against these people. It's God that said it all. Will you believe that he said such things? Amos said, I saw the Lord preparing a swarm of locusts right after the king's portion of the harvest has been taken. I panicked. So I said, God, please stop. How will Israel survive? She's so small. That was what Amos said. He said, I saw God preparing it. God said, I'm about to invent evil against these people. You think God can't produce viruses? He can. When he's angry, there are a number of ways he disciplines people. He disciplines nations. And he's very good with judging nations. Number one is war. I told you about Gaza and Israel war. That Gaza and Israel war is a spiritual war. Now, I'm not talking about those who are saying, praise that Israel will, they, that's not what I'm talking about. So that Israel will win. Look, whether Israel wins or Gaza wins, everybody there is confused. I hope you're getting my point. Uh, yes, you know, you have to support Israel. <laughs> Listen, your house is left to you desolate until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. That's what I know. Let's leave that in. I'm going confuse myself. But when I think about how the war started, I think it's a spiritual judgment. Because how would you get up, dance your way into Israel, kill 1,200 people, kidnap 240, and you think this will not happen? It will happen. Then how you say you are a Houthi, Houthi rebel, and then you carry uh, drones and missiles and start firing at American ships, and you think they won't retaliate? Of course, they will retaliate. And then when they finish retaliating, you say you will retaliate. So you have retaliation to retaliation, which will beget more retaliation. And as I just did again, another round of shelling. I say somebody has annoyed God again. Because these people are not thinking. They're not thinking. They're not thinking. God said, you know what's happening? Banky. I said, Lord, yes, I do. <laughs> I said, I will turn the heart of the Egyptian against his brother. That's what I do when I'm angry with the people. 
I will command the sword. Even Jesus said, I have come to bring a sword. You think he doesn't have a sword? I've said to you, if you see unrest, if you see trouble, think of God. He brings sword. He brings famine. Famine comes in different ways. He said, ah, which kind of Buhari economy is this one? Because they don't worry, I also remove Buhari. His time will pass. His time passed. They, they are not calling it what? Tinubu economy. <laughs> because they call it the real name. It's called breaking the staff of bread. When I turn your 10,000 naira to 2,005, in the space of 12 months, you should know something beyond MFLA. What's the name of the current guy now? Badmouth. What's his name? The CBN governor. Cardoso. Yes. Between MFLA and Buhari, Cardoso and Arashiwaju, that's not what they are doing. They are trying their best to stabilize things as far as they know to do. It's called breaking the staff of bread. You see, I bring famine. I also bring pestilence. I bring natural disasters, which I've not given you much of. Thank me for that. <laughs> and I bring wild beasts. I don't use that too much around here. I have. I just don't use it. You know what they call wild beasts? Snake will just be biting people. Ah, in India. <laughs> I think snakes kill more people every year than guns. I don't know. You can go and check. These are the five ways, five major ways. Because when you see it, now listen to this. If you don't do what you are supposed to do as a church, you will be judged and punished along with the world. What does that mean? You will suffer famine. You will suffer war. You will suffer natural disasters. You will suffer pestilence. What is the reason? Because you did not judge yourself. I'm speaking to the church. Sometimes I say I'll build me job. <laughs> oh, I'm oh God, I'm just laughing. Sorry, Lord, I'm laughing. Yes, that's nice, funny. See, many of our big auditoriums we are building. Hmm? What's the name of this boy? The Nobel Prize, not Nobel Prize winner. Grammy winner. Eh? But you will play there. Can be raising money and buying steel. Because don't worry. I will put Bonaboy there. You think it bothers me? I'm one person that will not make any noise if it happens. I just be looking at this. How can in this country? Oh, you know, the other day, one church in Lagos, one select church, he invited Olaika, that your little cousin. What is his name? Portable. They went to church to go and minister. Khan was making noise. I was like, don't mind me. I just they laugh. What did you go to church? Who did you worship tonight? Zazu. God deliver us from madness. <laughs> See, God have money, build anything. Because I, I, I will put Ponaboy there. 
Of course, I will have taken the church first. Though. Using all the money on massive buildings. Money contributed by thieves and rogues. Told you my, my sister's church, one guy came years ago, not today now. So we'll give six million naira. Pastor blessed him. My sister went to ask him, say, you come. You want to give six million naira? Like, Dean Woke coming to me now. Say, Pastor, I pledge 25 million. <laughs> Towards the Kingdom World Media Center. You know, the first thing I'll ask him is that, we thank God for your life. <laughs> you? When exactly did you have I need to know. Say, Pastor, it was last week. The other day, I saw one of your brothers. I've not even talked to him, but I, I won't mention his name. So, in case he's listening. He's now doing cryptocurrency training. <laughs> One of your guys. In case you are hearing this, it's you I'm talking about. Too. <laughs> He's not here physically with us. I saw it on your status. You told me you are doing ministry. Now, come and learn cryptocurrency. What I saw your status. If you don't stop that nonsense, if you don't stop that nonsense, people will be using their influence stupidly. So churches that are recruiting their members into pyramid scheme. That church was scattered. You see, they, they don't, I don't need to. It's it not because I just didn't want you. The church was scattered. And in case you've done it before, eh? and people lost money, I don't want you to go and say, I'm sorry, pay them back. All this cheap, cheap, I'm sorry. It, it doesn't work in things like this. Gather everybody, say, how much did you lose because of me? You see, churches go, bring people to their church to come and collect. People invest in this. <laughs> One man was saying that. He now went to pastor, pastor. He said, no, it was investment between two of you. But you gave the man your platform. And without, with look, it's implied. You gave him the authority of your pulpit. And they collected our money. You are saying that it's business. I hope that brother is hearing. I hope you tune it this evening. Because it's not there here. Now, okay, what is uh, junior minister? Now, Okimute is the trainer and ministry. But he has not been listening. Because Okimute cannot even spell Bitcoin correctly. So, who did he learn from? Hmm? Go, go and meet Okimute and say, spell Ethereum. <laughs> he doesn't even know what it's called. It's so-called. Not, and the man you say you are learning from. He does not know crypto. See, if you want to be a preacher, be a preacher. I've seen too many pastors who, the next day, they use their authority to be collecting money, investing in all kinds of things. I think your guy resigned when he wanted to start selling something. That's another story. What's the Lord saying? If you don't stop behaving like the world, I will judge you exactly like I'm planning to judge the world. No difference. I will not discriminate, says the Spirit. Some people are going to tell you, no, God doesn't do that. God says, when it happens, you will know who was a prophet in the midst of you. You will know. But most importantly, let's settle on this so that I can close. What's the most important thing? Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus said. Say, ye are the salt of the earth, ye are the light of the world. That if the world will be delivered from the judgment, it will be because one, he said, you are going to punish every disobedience. When? When your own obedience is complete. That's what Paul told us. There's a principle there. I don't have enough time now. But look at it. So the light, the eye is the light of the body. If your eye is clear, 
your whole body is full of light. That if the church in a land, you know, the church is what? This light of the world. If the church in the nation is clear, it's clean, the whole country will be full of light. I hope you're getting my point. That's why I told you. It's not a bragging matter. I can end corruption in Nigeria in two years, at least until it becomes what it's supposed to be. Corruption cannot be wiped out on this earth until Jesus comes back, but it's supposed to be hidden. It's not supposed to be open. You should be afraid of to ask me openly. I should give you money before you do what you're supposed to do. Anyone who does not want to pervert justice or bend proper order should not be afraid. I hope you're getting my point. That's what real corruption in reasonable places is supposed to be. That is, is when I want to bend things, I will call you to decide. Not that I can't do right. Even if I do that which is right, it's a problem. I still don't have to go free. That kind of corruption is not right. It's called the rod of the wicked. Resting upon the lot of the righteous. It's not right. That's the kind of thing God sees and is displeased. I said I can have it done. Not because of my strength as a person, but because I have a long list that we write and you distribute to all churches in Nigeria. If just a quarter of the churches will do what I'm saying, not by my energy, who am I? But they will just, I will lift it from the Torah, chapter 29, and pronounce curses on corruption, and we'll just read it out in church. What that does, all right, is a number of things. Number one, those who are not Christians will stop coming. Are you getting my point? Christians who want to still continue to come to church, they will change. And third, those who will not change will be Ananias and Sapphirad. The result, a pure church. And what did Jesus say? If the church is clear, the whole nation will be what? Full of light. So God is not trying to fill the nation with light from a strange place. He said, I just need to clean up the church. And these are the three ways he does it. Number one, if you are not a believer, stop coming. Number two, if you are a believer, you want to keep coming, repent. And third, if you don't repent, I wipe you out. At the end of the day, I will have a clean church. I must have a clean church. He said, if I have that, the whole nation will be full of light. So I think we need to pray more. The only thing I just need to warn, like I told you before, why won't pastors do what I've said? There's no second way. See, let me, the second reason. Let me tell you something. Eh? The thing that God fear, sorry, not, the word is not fear. I don't even know. Let me just use the word respect. The most on this earth is money, not the devil. When they say the people of God want to go mad, if the devil is passing, God is not afraid. He says it's not the devil. They will rebuke him. So the devil will come. Hey, you people, I'm going to kill you. They say, kill who? Die. Satan will fall back. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. We will jump the fence. Satan doesn't, he says, I won't come like that. I'll send one of my trusted guys. It's called mammon. It's called money. That's the one that when mammon is passing, Jesus says, everybody, yeah, enough play into the house. Into the house. Into the house. All of, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's school tomorrow. Everybody go and sleep. Because this is mammon. You know why, why I know, <laughs> know it? He said, beware of covetousness. He told them, be aware. Take care against. You cannot serve God and mammon. He never said you can't serve God and the devil. Why won't pastors do what I said? 
is because guaranteed offering will go down. That church project will not finish. There's no faith I want to finish because faith didn't start it. It was started by covetousness. It will be finished by iniquity. And that building will be judged on the day of God's wrath. See, when they are making noise sometimes, there was a time they were shouting, when, um, for my, uh, what's the name of our guy? That time when they came out, Christians came and said, eh, now, they are taking our banks. You know, Sanusi clipped, two major banks clipped, were headed by church deacons and pastors. Do you remember? Now, be careful. When God is doing his judgment, don't take sides. Don't take tribal sides, church sides. I've told you now, God doesn't care which, whether you call yourself a Jew or Gentile. If you are doing what is wrong. One of those banks, I won't mention the name. One of my friends was a manager of one of them. Those days. That was Lagos. I didn't even know this would happen later. He, he would look, ah, he's a banker. My guy is a criminal. He said, that man is going to jail one day. These were his words. He was a manager. He said, my guy is a criminal. He said, that man must go to prison one day. Do you know what happened? The man actually went to prison one day. When the whole thing, people say, you see, is this Islamic? I said, Jesus said, if the sword loses his sabre, it will be trampled underfoot by men. That's what he said. Why am I saying all of these things? Church, if you like, eh? You can make noise. God will pull down your building by a Muslim minister for Buddhas, like Erufai. I know what happened. Nothing. Nothing. And God said, if you don't stop shouting, I'll pull down your personal house. If you talk, I'll pull down your health. So when I pull down your building, just zip your mouth and know I have commenced my judgment. And it must begin in the house. So give thanks and repent so I will not enter into Jerusalem. Just understand what I've said. Because <laughs> when the angel finished killing 70,000, it was about to enter Jerusalem. And God had mercy. God says, listen, in your country there is no problem. It's in your church that I have a problem. Because if the church is clear, the whole nation will be full of light. That's what he said. The light of the body is the eyes. He said, if your eye is single, my version will say, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. He said, but if the light that is in you is darkness, who, how hopeless is your situation as a nation? I've come into 2024 with the word of the Lord for the church. God says, better get on your knees and start praying. Asking me to cleanse this body. When I begin to cleanse, it may not be funny. I will kill people. I will remove Ananias. I will remove his wife, Safira. I will break down their buildings. What will be the reason? Because I don't want to judge you people with the world. If I don't succeed in that, I will judge everybody with the world. I would just like to end with this blessing on intercessor. Before he starts, God says, go out. Go and mark those who sigh and groan because of the iniquity that was in the body of God, that is the, the nation of God. Time will not allow us to read it. 
It's Ezekiel chapter 9. Thus, the, the Lord said to him, to an angel, Go to the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which have been committed in its midst. But the others he said in my hearing, Go to the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity and do not spare. The judgment of God. So what's the personal, let me end it with that. What's the personal commandment or the personal instruction? That is instruction to each person. You can open to it. Or, or let me just read it. said, sigh and groan over all the abominations which have been committed in the midst of the church. What are you going to groan over? The abominations being committed in the midst of the church. And I say you, are, you cannot be an effective intercessor until first you purify your own heart and purify your own works. See, sin for the child of God is incapacitation. One reason why I don't like breaking the laws of the land, breaking the laws of the land, is so that my prayer will be effective. I hope you get my point. Like I said, those days, I don't want people to do things like that. People say, when the meter, I say, listen, no matter what they charge for power, if you bypass EDC meter for whatever reason, first your niche, your prayer for industry and peace. Development in the country is suspended. It's no longer effective. Not everybody should be coming for prayer meeting. No. You know that December 31st, when this man, wicked so, put me on air to do what he didn't want to do himself. I was not afraid. My name is Jeremiah. You know, I have different names on different days. There are days I'm Ezekiel. Jeremiah is a very common one. And Amos, I love Amos. Me and Amos, brethren. I told everybody. Tomorrow, was that that night I was 31st or the following day? That night. I said, if you are not planning to repent, don't go to church. You know, pastors are very wicked people. Some of them. That is the, that, you now say, look, you will say this next 2024 is my year of breakthrough. 20,400 naira to make the year good. Yeah. They will twist the thing. Okay, 20,214, yes, they will twist it. And when you hear Yusuf Mugu, you think that there's something spiritual in it. He has nothing. He just added zero. If it was only God that spoke to him, why can't it not be two, two, uh, 20, no, 29 and 24 cobbles? <laughs> why can't it not be 20 naira or 24 naira? Why must it be a round sum? 24,000 naira for 24 hour miracle. Why can't it be 24 naira for 24 hour miracle? Is it only 1,000 naira per miraculous hour? See, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You know, there's this thing that's been going on now. I don't know whether it's good or bad. They said, no grief for anybody this year. Have you heard that thing? Let me give you the one for the church. No grief for false doctrine this year. If you are in church, they say, come forward now. I want to break the back of poverty. Say, oh God, I broke it last night. In my house, free of charge. Paid for by the blood of Jesus. How did you break it? I committed my life to Christ all over again. I said, do with me what you want. How did that, that man say it again? Here I am. Where is Judah? He's the one that introduced the guy to my life. Uh-huh. He said, I did yesterday. The back of, don't let anybody harass you. If you are sitting, you can't be sitting down. There's a grace. Of, I said, there's no grace there. You, you want to raise money. 
Some of you say, Pastor, we will not go and say what is bad. Just say it in your heart. See, this is how to be safe. You don't want to be safe. Don't stir up rebellion around you. Around you. So if you're in church, Pastor is doing something that is bad. Just do it like this. <laughs> Let me give you a trick. It will work. Just do this way. They will think you are praying. They won't disturb you. Stand like that for a long time. I want everybody to call for right now. Just do. Once you raise your hands, they think you are in the spirit. What are the pastor say? I know they come. This year, I know they grieve for anybody. Pastor say, why do you people do like this? You don't know God is getting angry, have you? Is it time opportunity to repent? Get people to repent. Now say that you will say this year must be good. In 2024, in my spirit, I hear 20. And I hear 24. When I, when I did my calculation, it was very good with arithmetic there. And God says, God, God didn't say anything. You are a lying prophet. One man trying to raise money for things that God will judge. I told them God will judge it. And he did. I told my wife that time. The man said, bring the money. They say it's blood money. He said, don't worry. We have bigger blood here. We will wash it with bigger blood. You can give your way into salvation. Doesn't matter whether you're a thief, a drug dealer, you give your way into salvation. Yes, I was there. I was watching him like this. And I was looking at this guy. And God said, man, no, be God, do you for don't die. Because I will have permitted you. I was there. He said, doesn't matter. Bring it. We'll wash it with the bigger blood. Pastor, any building you build like that will collapse. And it will be the mercy of God. What am I saying? Please, you have to keep your life right. Because this year, God said you must be an intercessor. Amen. You must be an intercessor. Amen. God says, I'm raising people who will bring forth my hand of cleansing into the church. So that your nation can have clear eyes. The light of this nation is the body of Christ. He said, the light of the body is what? The eyes. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You, if your eyes single or clear, your whole body will be full of light. So did the nation Nigeria, which I created for my purpose, so that the prophecy of the servant of God, Pilate, will be fulfilled. The church must be clear. And for the church to be clear, there will be intercessors who've committed themselves to righteousness and holiness. And they will arise daily. And say to God, purge us of all iniquity. I'm just warning ahead. When it starts purging, you will see trouble. That's why I gave the example of banks collapsing. That's why I told you about buildings. One wicked man will withdraw the seal of and tell him to pull it down. People say, no, they are attacking the church. God said, no, they are not attacking the church. They are attacking the building, the idol that you guys built. I've commanded them to break down idols. Watch out. When it begins to happen, don't, don't panic. The true clean church will come out of it. Remember, I said three ways God will have to clean the church. One, those who are not Christians will stop coming. Two, those who are Christians, who are walking in iniquity, will repent. And third, Ananias is going down. And Sapphira with him. Bow down your head. And say, Lord, I yield myself. You know what it means?
Say, Lord, I yield myself. I yield, I yield, I yield myself. I yield. I yield myself. I yield myself. Let's yield ourselves to the Lord. There is an opportunity for repentance here. The message is to the church. The word that came forth is to the church. And as the word came forth, you received instruction. Turn away from this. Stop this. Give attention to the Lord. Give attention to his word. Give attention to prayer. It is an opportunity for repentance. Let's reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent and I yield myself to you. As a living sacrifice, I yield myself to you as a cleansed sacrifice. Lord, I yield myself to you. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse me all over again, Lord. I yield myself to you. I turn away from unrighteousness and iniquity. I yield myself to you so that I'll be a useful vessel in the work that you are doing in your church in this season. Lord, cleanse me. Make me whole. Lord, cleanse me. Make me whole. Lord, cleanse me. Make me whole. In the name of Jesus, Lord, cleanse me and make me whole. I yield myself to you. I give myself totally to you. Every part of me, my day, my night, every living moment, Lord, I yield to you. Cleanse me. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me. So that I'll be an intercessor indeed. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your mercy speaks for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray. Let's remember that this is school of prayer. And from the instruction that you have received, you take off from there and follow the instruction that the Lord has given you. I believe that as Pastor Banke spoke, you got instruction yourself. You, you heard the word. You got instruction to break certain associations, to break certain habits, to turn away from certain associations, to stop certain practices. As you commit yourself to doing that, the Lord will help you indeed in Jesus' name. All right, let's just rise up and share the grace. All right, I want to let's go. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil. Because we are seated high above this Christ, this is our season of the demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to tell three people, this is your year of peace and fruitfulness. In the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Say it about yourself. Say it's my year. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, cherub brethren. God bless you.